Every business has 10 problems at any given time that need to be solved. And the way we solve our problems is by asking questions and getting answers that help us to get to the next step, to get into action and try things. Because we can't just solve problems in thought, we need to actually take action. And to help you get into action, to help you feel confident and provide clarity so you know what to do next, I am hosting two free, completely free, live Ask Me Anything sessions on May 21st and May 22nd. They are divided by pre-launch. If you haven't launched yet, I'll take questions about that. And then post-launch, if you have a business and you're ready to grow it, or maybe you have questions about whether you checked all the boxes correctly, I'll focus on those questions. And to register totally free, you go to foodbizsuccess.com forward slash AMA 2024. Get yourself registered. You can come to one or both of them. And it's a way for you to get to know me and my expertise after working with hundreds of packaged food brands and helping them launch and scale to 100K and beyond, this is a great way for you to come and ask that burning question so you get an answer and can move forward and get more success more quickly. When we get into motion and action, we see success and we get momentum. So come join me, get yourself registered, The link is also below in the description. See you there. Welcome to Your Food Business Success. This podcast is for early stage entrepreneurs in the packaged food industry ready to finally turn that delicious idea into reality. I'm your host, Sari Kimball. I have guided hundreds of food brand founders to success as an industry expert and business coach. And it's gotta be fun. In this podcast, I share with you mindset tools to become a true entrepreneur and run your business like a boss. Interviews with industry experts to help you understand the business you are actually in and food founder journeys so you can learn what worked and didn't work and not feel so alone in your own journey. Now let's jump in. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. And I am so excited. This is our, well, I don't think you're the first repeat guest, but you're (laughs) one of the most special. (laughs) So I am excited to welcome Chanel back from Good Love Food. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. I was giddy as we were in Expo Expo West recently. And I was like, wait, I can't wait to have you back on the podcast to talk about everything that's happened since our first podcast. So if people want to go back and hear the first part of the story, uh, see, it's episode 72, and that was last January of 2022. So I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, for those of you who may not know, and then let's get caught up on everything that's happened (laughs) in a little over a year, which is a lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know my brain is reeling from like all the, all the fun experiences and the growth, but really um, to start off, I, we, we officially launched in July of 2021. I launched Good Love Foods because I was not seeing what I really wanted to see on the shelves when it came to convenient gluten-free food and especially baked goods. Um, I have a baking background um, and I spent the last 13 years really pr- um perfecting my gluten-free baking at home. And I realized it's, you know, it's hard. And not a lot of people have the time or energy to to put into baking gluten-free. So I developed a whole um, bake straight from your freezer right into your oven type um, product line. And um, it's been going, it's been wonderful. We launched our biscuits first, then the cinnamon rolls, and most recently our puff pastry. And so we now have a full line available and um, our customers have been giving us wonderful feedback since then. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. So you joined Food Business Success. You had some of the marketing and branding done, but then we worked together to really get you launched and legal and pricing and labels and all that good stuff. So yeah. So the first podcast that we did 
kind of goes through your journey then. So that was last year, 2022. Um, and then tell us, catch us up. So <laughs> I'm sure as you reflected back, you're like, oh my gosh, how much have I jam-packed into a year? <laughs> oh my gosh, really so much. And um, getting ready for Expo, I think since I had to kind of go back and get some of those metrics and really try to distill very distinctly what has happened in a, in a short amount of time was really hard because it's been so much. Um, but, and the more I thought about it though, I, I was thinking like, I really didn't officially launch, I think until um, I completed base camp. So I was part of um, this really wonderful program at the university of Denver. I had finished up my MBA. So I guess to backtrack slightly, I, I launched or started good love, the development, all of the planning, all of the backend stuff while I was finishing up my MBA at DU. And then this program came up where you could pitch as a student and um, it's a accelerated course for entrepreneurs. And so I was part of this amazing six week on campus program after I had already done your program. And so that was just kind of like the icing on the cake to really help me get into market um, more from a retail perspective, but also just give me that that confidence and the pitching background that was really important. So I actually think I really didn't launch officially until then because I wasn't putting 24 seven into my, my company. And I have since then. Um, I absolutely love it, but I've gotten into three retailers so far. Um, I've got into Expo West. I was a semifinalist finalist at their pitch competition at Expo West that just happened in Anaheim two weeks ago and um, got a couple more retailers on the line, really, really ramping up our online distribution. I've got a great partner that does all of my fulfillment. So making those improvements and scaling up thoughtfully and um, sustainably, especially, you know, as a single producer um, has been really important in the stage of growth. And the growth has been crazy, really Year to year over year, it's been about over 600% in terms of growth and sales. But if you, if I go back to maybe about Q3 of last year, it's like, I don't know, a thousand percent. Just, it's been, it's been <laughs> wild. It's, it's been really amazing. And I'm just trying to ride the growth wave um, again, sustainably for me so I can handle it all. But I really want to be thoughtful as we grow. So um, yeah, really, really exciting. Getting our, our brand out there has been the biggest uh, awareness is huge. And we're really feeling it from our customers because they keep on sharing our story and our brand and our products with all of their friends and family. Yeah. That was one of the things I think you got as a as feedback. I think you've got it gotten it multiple times in different pitch competitions or from industry experts is just how your brand just really stands out and that you did you made an investment on purpose in that to launch with a really built out brand. And, and to be fair, you do have a marketing background and <laughs> um, you really know your stuff in this area. But I think that was very purposeful to launch with a really strong brand. Yes, I to- I agree. And but what can be scary there, though, um, when you have a product, you, it just has to be all cohesive. You know, you could really work on the branding and nail it. But then with your product or your target market in mind, maybe something is missing there. So for me, it's been really wonderful to see the progression because my customers have grown and expanded as we've grown and um, really leaned into our voice and have gotten a little bit more deliberate, I guess, and and how we are creating those messaging moments and reaching out to our customer base because that's what creates that strong community. So I think for me, um, having the Good Love brand started is really what has created this this amazing community of not just gluten-free and celiac um, customers, but just folks that really love good food and, and just love our branding. So it, it all kind of works together. But um, I would say that it's still one of my most favorite aspects of building this company is working on the branding. <laughs> yeah. And it evolves, right? And you're changing and your voice is changing. I mean, the visuals themselves haven't probably changed too much, but like the colors and some of those pieces, but I bet your voice has changed a little bit and you're 
kind of how you're relating to people and even the images that you share. And I look back at the, you know, you did your first round of like professional photos and, and I'm like, wow, she looks different now. Like there's, you know, not only your hair is longer, but like just you have a different confidence about you even now. And so it's so fun to see that growth and change over time. Yeah, personally. Yeah. It's been for, for me as an entrepreneur, and this is my, my very first venture, had thought about it for years. And I think definitely starting off with your with your course and then getting some of that one-on-one coaching has created this confidence in me and taking myself out of that, like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm a maker and I'm, I'm just doing this kind of on the side to, I have an amazing product. I'm confident. I, I, I know the market. I've done my research and this is where I'm going. So having, you know, those goals in place and seeing it within myself that I can grow something because I believe in it so much um, has been a really, really big change and shift in how I'm viewing this company, not just as like, oh, I I started it while I was going to school. Now it's like, no, this is my company. I'm taking it places. it's, It's been a huge shift and one that I haven't experienced before and one that I've heard other people talk about you know, it's kind of like, oh, you'll get there or you'll, you'll understand when you get to that moment. And I'm feeling like I'm stepping into that moment finally, where I'm like, okay, no, I'm, I'm not feeling like, um, I'm an outsider or that I'm still testing the waters. It's like, no, I am fully like swimming in it. (laughs) Yes. I am fully committed. I am in, you're doing the work. And so, Last summer, I think May or June, we started, uh, you came back and said, hey, I want to do one-on-one coaching with you. And so we got started. What was the kind of impetus for that? Why do you feel like that was important to do almost a year in to your business? I think since um, I had just graduated and I had some time off before base camp where I did, I kind of felt like I was in limbo. Um I still had those amazing tools from the the program and I was still building good love, but I, I think I was at that next stage where I was like, all right, what do I need to do? You know, I've, I can get some systems and stuff in place, but I think it was more for me personally that I needed someone to coach me um, from that perspective because I, you know, and to keep me on track, but also, you know, just to help me along the way. And some, I didn't really have any, this is me personally. I didn't have any, specific goals in mind necessarily. I kind of went into it like things are going to develop and things will happen and you know there'll be those aha moments. But um it was it was big for me personally to understand um that I was on the right path. But also, you know, to have someone with such an amazing, you know, background both in CPG but also just coaching other individuals who really wanted to step in that CE role, CEO role, I I needed that help. Um, yeah, just to keep me going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you made the transition from being a student, a full-time student and graduating. And it's like, I think that's a part of the commitment, right? It's like, no, I'm taking this seriously and I'm going to get the support and, and then not just myself, but the base camp program, the additional advisors and mentors and, and all of that, like you were committed you were, you were going all in. <laughs> like. Yeah, you you were kind of like, no, this is happening, but we'll just see where it goes. Let me finish school. And then you're like, no, I'm I'm ready. Let's do this. So one of the things, and you may not even remember this, but I was thinking back to all the things because we did a lot in four months of coaching, four or five months. Um, so one of the things we focused on was building up your direct-to-consumer, which you, you didn't even mention. So you did a huge jump as far as um, doing pop-ups and some events. You did that Nourish Festival. Like you really focused on how do I grow direct to consumer? Because we didn't even launch wholesale until the fall. So and not even in December was wholesale. I was prepping for it, but yeah, wholesale's been very recent. But you're you're right. I I when I launched it was, you know, still again just making sure my target market was right and testing out my products, but that was mainly local. And then I, I'll say when I finally started shipping, it was a soft launch per se. Just again, just making sure I knew how to I was doing it all myself, but I, I wanted to make sure I was shipping the frozen food product right and I was pricing it correctly from a shipping perspective and like um how do I entice people to spend, you know, 
money on a product, but also spend money on shipping because it's pretty expensive and figuring out those pieces first. Um, so what really got to me to a point where I could get into retail was um, having this fulfillment partner take over for me. And that also, it was kind of all happened at once where I was like, all right, I've got someone that can take this over for me. So I don't have to one spend four hours every night delivering product locally and then four hours every other day shipping across the US. I can have someone do it for me so I can spend more time producing and, and doing the back end. But then I was able to increase my marketing and and really get into engaging with my my community online so that the sales were coming in um more uh I guess organically. Yeah, more consistently, more organically. Yeah, you 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 I think some great things you did was develop really great partnerships with a couple of places like a gluten-free brewery in Denver and then some more in Colorado Springs and and yeah, you were doing all of it yourself. So I think it's important to hear like that you did the model that I personally recommend where you kind of push to your limit as much as you can go, you know, and even just like a little bit more. (laughs) And then you're like, and then we got to bring in a partner, right? And I think sometimes people make investments in those things way too early and then you run out of cash. I mean, unless you have endless amounts of (laughs) of money. Um, But when you're an early stage bootstrapping entrepreneur, like the one thing you do have time is time and you have less money. And so you were using your time to make the deliveries, do all the production yourself, um, do all the shipping yourself, do all the marketing yourself. And that was the role that was the correct role at that time. And then we started looking at, okay, where does it make more sense for you to spend your time as you grow? Because you've proven the concept, right? Sometimes people don't want to prove the concept. They just want to jump all in and, <laughs> and then hire the marketing person and the social media and the fulfillment and do all the hiring first. And then you're like, but you haven't even proven the concept. I'm not saying it can't work that way, but um, I like the strategy that you did. So I think, what were some other things that contributed, do you think, to consistent DTC? Just the partners and pop-ups that you were doing? What else? Yes. Um, just really, when I do the pop-ups locally, I think that is that's a huge community because um, I think especially when it comes to gluten-free, um, people will share your product across you know, the US if they have family members or friends or like what I would hear really consistently, the more that I did in, in person market um, markets or pop-ups with uh, Holidayly um, with any other partner that was um, within the gluten-free space is that people might just find this event and they're in town from somewhere else. So they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited I can ship or... Um, I'm so happy I found your product. I have friends in, you know, in the on the West Coast. I'm totally gonna like either ship them product or I'm gonna send them to your website. And so even though you're local and you're thinking local, yeah. the reach, um, like don't uh like underthink like the reach and impact it can have. Cause I think that is really what was huge and, and part of that under um the word of mouth marketing, yeah, you know, and you don't have to pay for that. Especially a product like yours. Yeah. And then from there, I, I started really leaning into my social media and not just doing it as an aside more of just being more intentional, had a strategy around it. Um, not from an influencer perspective, but just like, I want to reach the right community who, who does want to be engaged with me and with our products. And so I think putting that, sort of authenticity into your social media also helps with your with your brand image and and people just following and wanting to try your product even if they might not have tried it yet you know they they want to see you grow and 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 be part of the community regardless and so a couple of things just to note if people are kind of like okay what else could i do i mean with the pop-ups i think you did a good job of having cards there or something that's like, hey, here's this first time discount if you order online, collecting emails. So those are all ways then you can turn that, you know, grow that just like, it's not just like you're just doing a pop-up and you're making sales, which is great, but also how do you, you know, keep utilizing those audiences and, and grow that. So I think that's a great tool. And we did talk about Facebook groups. I don't think you ever got into them because you were growing pretty well. But I think for products like yours, finding, you know, specific 
uh, what tribal diets or allergy specific Facebook groups could be another tool that people try to just contribute and give value. But then, oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, looking for a great uh, breakfast <laughs> option for the family. Here's these cinnamon rolls. Well, yeah, and actually, um, I'm still, you know, social media. It can it can take so much of your time. Um, so far I've only been really focusing on Instagram and by default Facebook and a lot of my events are posted on Facebook and I have a great following there. And I'm, I think my next phase is to intentionally, um, communicate based on the platform. So Facebook has a different kind of user group and, and different, um, layouts and formats, but also the groups, like you say, I would get some of these orders sometimes that would be like six or 10 in a span of a couple of hours. And I wouldn't know what, why that was. And come to find out it was because, you know, one of my customers had a rave review and someone was like, where can I get some gluten-free cinnamon rolls? And then they would respond like, you have to check out this company. And then all of a sudden, you know, I've had this, this whole host of new orders just because of that. So I think that'll be the next step, but those weren't asked for, you know, those weren't something that I paid for. And so that was even more exciting to understand that people were actually just recommending this product. And when you have those kind of people, those kind of customers that truly believe in your product and and get other people to order, I think, you know, you're onto something really special and being more engaged with that community is, is super important for that because you're not, again, you're not paying for it. You're not asking for it. They're doing it just because they really like your product and and other people who then try your product. They do that only because they believe in their friend or this direct recommendation. Absolutely. I mean, tapping into, I mean, you, it's not just that they like it. You solved a problem for them. And when people solve a problem, right. Whether and by problem it can be a real problem or it can be like, you just, I get the best dining out experience ever, right? It was such a great experience. So we love to tell people and be like, you got to try this when it's something <laughs> yeah. we really believe in. So raving fans for um, your your group, whether that's gluten-free or celiac or FODMAP or Whole30 or AIP, like if your product keto, right, can fit into some of those categories, those are tight knit groups and people love to tell yes. others <laughs> about solutions. And then I think it was cool. You did some stuff later on with email marketing where you were rewarding some of those people or like, you know, just thanking them, appreciating them. And you probably have some opportunity to even grow it with affiliates as well. I would think. Yes. I'm, I'm looking into that next. Um, but I think Email marketing was something I'd already uh, have always wanted to implement, but, you know, getting some of those, those automations in place, because it, it, again, just like social media, it can take a lot of time. And, but if you do the right, if you just, uh, yeah, if you do a lot of the things up front, you can have all these automated emails, but again, still make sure it's authentic and intentional for, especially for your customers. But since I'm still so small, um, I can segment segment out my customers and I'll email, you know, some of my, um, my hardcore, hardcore loyalists first and, and really truly thank them. And I think that's been helpful because I do, I 100% value like what they've done for good love and, and being customers from the beginning, but then kind of reaching out to some of the other folks who, um, maybe not have ordered as much or, you know, what is not causing, what's causing them to maybe not order as often and having those direct touch points, I think is really important. You can do that through email. And so my next step is getting all my automations in place too, just to make sure that that's consistent um, and fun. I don't want to have anything that's too markety. I want to have really fun content. So people actually enjoy getting our emails. Um, so I think that's the next phase is just making sure that's really intentional. And and people are like, oh my gosh, that's a good love email. Like what's in like today's What's inside? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So we did that. We got DTC really on the upswing and growing. And then you were struggling with the kitchen that you were in and it just, you'd kind of outgrown it. It just wasn't the best fit anymore. It was a distance away as well. Um, and so that was a really big milestone to start looking for new space. So you want to tell us what happened with your, your hunt for a new kitchen? Oh my gosh. I, 
completely glazed over that. Yeah, that was one of the biggest decisions, I think, and biggest moves. One of the main points that had like really helped us grow. But yeah, I just, I think it was an email you had forwarded me about someone looking for, you know, someone to take over their space that was already a gluten-free kitchen, which was huge. Like um, since we do prioritize safety at Good Love, that was the most important thing to, to factor in was like it, if it was already a kitchen, it had to be either gluten-free or, um, you know, I, I had to ensure that it was safe enough for my customers. But yeah, this space came into to my inbox and basically fell into my lap. And I didn't know how I would get the funds to secure it, but somehow it all worked out. And I was able to buy out the the previous owner's um, equipment, the entire space, took over the lease. And I will say maybe that was like my first, it was like hiring like five employees, getting my own, <laughs> like a larger space. So that was huge. Um, yeah. It it was so important though for our growth because really I wasn't able to produce as much like you said, but I think for me personally, again, just knowing that like this was the right step and the right move to take. Um, and I, we call it the good love lab. It's, it's what we've dubbed our production kitchen and I absolutely love it. I actually say hello to it every morning. I I say hi lab. (laughs) (laughs) I just like to appreciate it. And you know, like I wouldn't be here without having a space like this. And at the end of the night, after I've cleaned up and closed up shop, I'm like, all right, bye lab. See you tomorrow. (laughs) I love that. Well, yeah, that was a really big decision. I mean, you were limited on where you could go, like as a traditional commissary kitchen because of the the gluten piece. And so we kind of started exploring, like, could you get your own space? You looked at some other ones that were down south by closer to where you lived at the time. And I just, you know, I just want to like give you props. And we did a lot of like looking at pros and cons, but then ultimately I think we even did the like, okay, what feels best, you know, cause they were all good. And then they all had downsides. And one of the downsides was the space was what an hour plus away from where you were living at the time. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it's like that one felt the best and most in alignment had the things that you wanted. Um, and so you made it work. Right. And actually you've, you've ended up moving up that, that direction now. So now you're like eight minutes away. (laughs) Yeah. We, we made it work one. And then two, we are like, you know what, we're putting everything into this already. Like why not move up here? And so now we live in Longmont. Um, it's yeah, like an eight minute walk from, from our, our new apartment up here. So, um, huge changes personally and professionally, but it all feels right. Like you say, um, it was a really important decision to make. And um, I think it just depends on how you frame it too, because I I could have passed this up. I could have passed Mm -hmm. up this opportunity. And like you said, I could have gone for something that was closer to where we were living before, but, you know, factoring all these other things and like having to put my own investment into a kitchen, like how long would that have been delaying us from really getting into um, the market and servicing our customers was the biggest thing. Like we, we didn't want to have any delays and we wanted to reach our customers. And, and so this was just the right decision. Yeah. And it was a big risk. It was a <gasps> taking a leap of faith that, that this would Huge. work out. And yeah, all of a sudden you went from like commissary rent to like, I own a production facility with large rent and triple nets and all the things. Right. And and I remember that being pretty scary for those first couple months. And it's funny how we adjust to that. It's kind of like when I bought my condo and I was like, this is like really big, you know, this feels like a really big risk. And then you kind of, once you're in it, you're like, yeah, now I'm going to just get to work to pay for it. Like it becomes yours and you, I think that is a, a way to step into a new identity. Like, no. I'm really serious. I invested in coaching. Now I invested in a in a facility. <laughs> There's no going back. Like we're going all in on this. You you're so right though. I mean, a lot of the decisions we make, especially early on as these young entrepreneurs or um 
you know, when you make some of these big decisions, you're like, how am I going to do this? You go through those, you you inevitably will have those questions and those fears. But I think also what helped um, when we were coaching was talking through those fears. But then you're like, it's not anything scary because it's strategic. Like, what do you have to do to meet your lease? What do you have to do each month to make sure you cover all of your expenses? So broke it down. It didn't feel as scary. It was more of that, um, all right, this is what we need to do in terms of sales. We can totally handle this, especially with more space. So thinking of it as an opportunity um, helped ease the, the, the fears. And, you know, I, I'll have to admit like the first couple of months when I was when I had just moved in, I, every single month, we, you know, when the, the rent track was due, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And inevitably, you know, you make things work, but now that I'm in the swing of the swing of things and I'm, I've got a really amazing cadence with my production and my sales, um, it feels more natural and it's not scary and it's just, it's part of your business and it's fun. You're like, I'm just growing. And I can remember that one time when I, was scared I couldn't meet my rent. Well, I've got it. Like, yeah, exactly. You become that new version of yourself. So yeah, it's so good. So that was a really big milestone. And, uh, and then I think, you know, if you don't mind me sharing just personally, I think you went through some transformations of like, how do I balance things? How do I, you know, cause we go through these spurts and these sprints, but then, how do you kind of recalibrate and balance out time with your your partner and your health? And I mean, you were going through a lot as far as you picked up that program, base camp and going to school and, you know, or finishing up um, that program. So I think we, that was one of the things that we definitely coached on frequently as well is like, you're doing a lot, but if you're not healthy and if you're, you know, if you're miserable at home and you're feeling bad when you're at work and then at home you're thinking about work, right? <laughs> it can be really challenging. So finding some balance in your personal life as well. Yeah. And that was always a question yeah, that I had brought up, like, how am I going to do this? Or, you know, I didn't want to face burnout and I didn't want to ever think negative of this, of this company that I was building because it has brought me so much joy and other people joy. And so I think it's those, those moments to, you have to make those big decisions. Um, it's not just about like time blocking or making sure that you are planning for your own like recreation and downtime, but what will help you get to that point. And so I think um, the, the biggest move for us to get time back was moving near our space. Um, so that was huge. And then again, like getting um, partnering with this fulfillment company, because now that I don't have to manage that, that gave me time back to put more energy into my company, but also just enjoying the process along the way. You know, when, if you get to that point where you feel like you're negative, like things are negative or they're not turning out the way you want, like what are those pieces that you can change um, hand off to someone else, another partner, um, hire someone, you know, those are those moments where you really have to think about like, it's not about you doing it. It's about what can you do? Who else can you hire or bring onto your team? Whether it's a partner or another company to, to take that off your plate. And we've talked a lot in master your business about outsourcing and how do we make the most of our time? So yeah, we talked about that earlier where you, you kind of max out and then you find some partner you can outsource to. So we can do a shout out to Rob and Caitlin over at full good fulfillment. And they've been an awesome partner. They, they do um, shelf stable, but they specialize as well in frozen and refrigerated fulfillment and doing your local deliveries and just all your logistics, which is awesome. I highly recommend those guys. And then, so that was a big outsourcing move. Mm -hmm. And then you were able to focus back on production and growing it. And so you came up and joined the, the winter farmers market uh, up in Fort Collins. And then I think that was a really good catapult to like focusing on Fort Collins, which is, um, I guess about 45 minutes north of Longmont. But uh, so those were some of your first wholesale accounts, right? Yes. And I think the market was really helpful. I was always nervous about doing, um, I guess, any sort of farmer's market or market in general that wasn't a specific gluten-free pop-up or, you know, I, I wasn't sure like what sort of sales I was going to get. Um, 
what kind of customer base I was going to get. But it's really been such a wonderful way to communicate and engage with the community. And also seeing those faces of, you know, my my loyal customers come back every other weekend. It's been really, really fun. Um, but then that also gave me, um, I guess, the courage and that little bit of boost of energy and money, by the way, um, to start looking into retail opportunities. And so I believe you recommended Lucky's, a couple other customers that were up in Fort Collins for like, why don't you check out Lucky's? So just one night I just submitted something online, you know, through one of their portals through their website. And I got an immediate response saying like, let's get you on our shelves. And I was like, okay, well, great, <laughs> let's do this. And started that process. And I was only looking for, you know, the Lucky's Fort Collins, but now I'm in both Lucky's in Boulder and Fort Collins. They've been an amazing partner, retail partner. Um consistent sales, really, really amazing velocity. And then, you know, now I'm, I'm looking into other retailers. So just being thoughtful about how I grow, but it's also been really exciting to just have customers like, I'm so excited. I get to see you on the shelves. I know it's so cool. And, and, uh, and that was such a great testament to the product itself, but you know, your, your partnership as well with, with those retail brands and, you know, it was so fun to hear like, I, you know, I dropped off the first cases of product and then they're like, like four days later, they're like, uh, we need more. And now they're like six cases and they're like, we need more. <laughs> like, you can't keep this stuff on the shelves. So. I'm still blown away. And it's so much fun communicating with them directly is because it's, you know, it's, it's different when you work at these smaller markets, like they are your buyer. You're not a third party. You don't have um, a distributor that you're working for. Um, and so it's fun for them to be like, oh my gosh, guess what? We need six more cases. And you're like, this is great. And it's it's a direct, um, yeah, just that, that relationship that you have with them has been really, really helpful as we grow from the retail perspective, because it's a whole different animal. And I think for me too, starting small and um, figuring out what retailers are looking for, or even some of the metrics that's been from a business perspective, really important. Like not just like, oh, I'm just going to blast into all of these sprouts or I'm just going to go directly to Whole Foods. Like I'm not at that stage. So I think it's really important to to start with a market who's willing to like lead you along the way or they, they want to give you the feedback that they that they get from their customers too. So um, it's a really important relationship to establish. It is. And you're doing some demos I saw in, in one yeah. of your emails. And I think just especially your first couple, like how can you make really strong partnerships? And now you're going into levers and same thing there. And what that does, and and if you, the podcast with Rachel Walker is another good one to talk about it, but I think you're doing exactly right where you're building strong partnerships. You're really making sure that product sells. You doing the farmer's market up there helped you to gain customers early on and then go tell them, well, yay, you can go over here. And then they're telling all of their friends, right? So you did it right in that you're you're creating a data story, right? And you're building real partnerships. And those are things then you can leverage when you're ready to apply for the Whole Foods or the Sprouts or Natural Grocers or any of those things. Because now you have a story, right? That growth, that exponential growth, you can show like, yeah, they ordered this. And then three weeks later, we were at this. And, you know, this is what customers are saying. And this is how I've supported. Like, they're not just having to hope that you're a good partner. You have proof <laughs> that it works. Yes. Yeah. And I think that has been really, really imperative too. Like even um, I just reached out to another potential um, retail space, but now I, in my emails, I can, you know, I've got some of this data, like you were saying to back it up. I've got my velocities, I've got um, the high sellers and I've got, you know, just amazing feedback from, from the retailers themselves. So that's been important. It's just great because it's your direct community. It's your community. And these are the people who are going to champion your product as you grow. You know, you don't want to, skip them, I guess, in any way. And if they're your early adopters, like you want to do everything to keep them. So I think starting with the smaller markets has been huge from a customer perspective because they want to be along for the ride and they want to be able to still see you grow, but still be accessible at the same time. Yeah. You're developing, I mean, essentially you're developing fans, these raving fans all along the way. And it's such a good business yeah. model instead of the like slash and burn and like, let's just get into as many things and be <laughs> all over the place. You're actually, I love that model of nurturing the relationships and 
I mean, people do it all different ways, but I think as a small brand, <laughs> like you're doing exactly right. So now you have new challenges and you're looking at new things that you need to get off of your plate. I think namely production is one of those things that you're looking at outsourcing next, right? Yes. And one of the things that has been helpful to get to this point um, and the, the next phase of, of our working together with the master your business is that um, it really is all about your systems and procedures and making sure you have those outlined because if you don't set expectations for yourself or for anyone you bring into your company, then then you have no idea like how to, um, I guess, gauge how it's going or no direction for to give someone, you know? So I think as sexy as it sounds, systems <laughs> are super important yes. um, and they are fun. They're fun to create. You don't have to be like, they don't have to be an exhaustive list of tasks or, you know, like 20 page, it's super simple. But as long as you outline like what your expectations are and how to get from, you know, A to B, then you've got your system. It can be really simple. And I think that's the next phase of growth is just making sure you're ready for bringing in people. And because if you want to be the next, you know, big brand in some of these bigger companies or get into distribution, you can't get there if you just haphazardly, you know, like throw a team together. It should be intentional yeah. as well. So the phase I'm in now is making sure I've got these systems in place. I can scale without, you know, having too many, you know, um, pitfalls or moments where I'm just like, why isn't, why isn't this working right? You know, or how I planned it's, um, making sure that you're able to, to hit those. And so, yeah, just getting the systems in place and just making sure I have a team that when they come in, you know, it's, it's less questions. It's just more of like, all right, let's do this. And you can focus on building a community within your, within your company. Yeah. And I think that's what everyone wants. You know, they want to have a really strong team. They want to have a great um, culture and, you know, fit all those things that you wish you had when you were at these other companies. <laughs> right. Which is so much of the reason why people go and start their own thing. Right. right. <laughs> They're like, I don't want to be part of that culture. I want to create my <laughs> own. But then we right. get so caught up in the making and doing and all the things that you have to do. And it is a lot, but that's exactly right. Um, I'm so, I was so excited you joined master your business because I just kept, I know you were like, I got to hire somebody. I got to hire somebody to help me make this product. So to be clear, it's, I don't know if it's called outsourcing, but insourcing or you need, you need help um, in your own production facility. So not necessarily hiring a co-packer, but um, it's so easy to want to just be like, I just got to hire somebody to get something off my plate. But if you don't have systems and processes and expectations in place, then you end up, you're just hoping that that person can figure it out. And ultimately, you're not creating a really good work environment. People, especially people who want to come in and do production, they just want a process to follow. They want to know exactly what to do and what the standard is. And so you have to solve that problem first and be the manager in your business. And it it does take a little bit extra time. But I think once you get into a rhythm of it, I notice I've been doing that more in my own business. I'm trying to follow, you know, <laughs> live what I preach and master your business. So there's been a couple of places like my own winter market last the last time I went up and I was like, no, we don't actually have like a process or a checklist in place. So I should probably get that done. And so I'm not creating it, but I'm having my employees, you know, create a checklist for opening during the market and closing. It's like, this is a no brainer. Like, why have I not done this? <laughs> but these things just fall off our plates because we're so busy doing mm -hmm. the thing. But if you can take that extra 10 minutes and do that meta skill of like, okay, what did I just do? What is that process? Then it can be replicated. You can give that to anybody and they can follow that process. Yeah. And it's, it's just a really good, um, skill, I guess, because it, it really is, it is a skill. You have to work on it. Um, when I've had my husband come in, who's my free labor, I call him my free labor right now, but I, I will, I'll pay him eventually. But, um, yes, <laughs> he's kind of like my, my tester in terms of like, all right, what are, what are my expectations, but also how do you communicate it? And I think that's been a, a big learning curve for me is like, I know what my expectations are and yes. I know how it's supposed to be because I do it, but how can you communicate that to someone easily, but also so that they, they can understand it. Um, 
anyone, not just him, but like, how can you, how can you thoughtfully distill something down? So someone else can be like, I get it. And I guess I can see how I need to get to this point. So I can totally do it. You know, you want to give them confidence too. So it's been, it's been for me, a learning curve and um, being able to like, all right, I need to say that differently, or maybe I'm not communicating it the way I thought, you know, for me, this is how I would understand it, but not someone else. So being able to articulate it in a way that, that someone else can either read or hear and be like, okay, I got this. I love that. Yeah, it is. It's a refinement process and being willing to like put something out there, B minus work, test it out. And it's great. You get to test it out on him, <laughs> free labor. And he knows you already. So uh, <laughs> pretty well. And so you get to test it out. Like, does this make sense? And do you have enough information? And not bringing in your ego of like, why can't you just read my mind? And why doesn't everybody <laughs> do it this way? You're like, no. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's based on your values and how your Mm -hmm. mind works. And as the boss, as the manager and the CEO of your company, if you're going to grow, you have to be able to extricate yourself from that and trust that the processes work and people can follow them. And so you got to, it all falls on you. You have to take total ownership of whether these work or not. It's not about the person. (laughs) I mean, you can have standards and expectations for their, you know, what time they show up and, and how we treat each other and things like that. But your processes should work on anybody. Yeah. And I think that's another big point that you just brought up is like, it's, it's on you to create those systems, but you can still get feedback. But if you want to truly be able to step away from your company at some point, someday I will be able to, um, you need to have those in place and, um, not worry about something going wrong or if something does you already have the system if x doesn't happen you can do y you know so that's the next next level of of building a company that um you can build and grow with and feel really proud about uh, I, i'm excited for that day when you get to take maybe like this fall you'll be like i'm taking <laughs> A week-long vacation and everything is handled. Like my business doesn't have to shut down temporarily. It's like everything just runs. Yes. <laughs> such a good goal. <laughs> Put that in your dream jar. <laughs> For sure. So yeah. So I think production's the next thing. Um, hiring, and we've talked about, you know, not hiring the super skilled labor, but like creating the processes, the expectations hiring at the lowest rate that you can to get what you need and really managing the process, not, not the person. So that's a lot of the work we've done in Master Your Business, which mm-hmm. will be opening again in the spring. So if people want to get on the wait list, um, I highly recommend the program. And I think, have you gotten a lot of good things out of it? Yes, I, I have. And I think just knowing, knowing my own, um, I guess, workflow, a lot of what I do is I will absorb and I'll learn along with everyone while we're, you know, in um, each module. But I think for me, it's, it's just the way that I I teach myself and I learn is that I'll implement them then like either post-class or could be weeks from now, some of those things that we're still learning. But that's, I think the, the beauty of a program like this, because you have the tools when you're ready for the tools, you can use them. And then you can reflect back on that specific class and, you know, what we all talked about or what someone else shared. And so I think that's really helpful because you don't have to do them all right away. And I think people, um, me especially, as a lot of our entrepreneurship people are very perfectionist focused, like we don't want to do it unless it's perfect, but you can't implement something every single time thinking it's going to be perfect. So and then I, I like to learn by trial and error. And so I'll start to do something, you know, I'll, I'll start to implement some of the stuff we've learned probably a couple of weeks from now. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, this is what, you know, Sari said, or this is what someone else said in the class that worked for them. Um, I'm going to give it a try this way. It's a layering process for sure. Everybody wants like the three month. <laughs> They're like, give me the three month fix and I'm going to walk away a whole new person. You're like, well, we'll do it in three months, but but it really, it's a layering on process and a learning process for sure. The other thing we've really focused on is financials as well. Starting off, I think with the financials is really important for sure. Um, if If you think it's scary, like you don't want it to be scary, I guess is the point is that you should know your financials and 
you should know, you know, how your, how your company is doing and, and have some sort of a dashboard in place where you can do that and um, whether it's cash flow or, or however you want to do it. But that is the most important because if you don't know how your business is doing financially, then like you have a great product, but the reason why you're in business is, you know, you need to make revenue to be able to, to fund everything. And so that is one of the most important things. Um, but also, I guess from, from a student's perspective, like not feeling pressured to implement some of these things immediately or not feeling pressured to like have it down perfectly. And um, just, and we all have different business models or different products. So I think that's an, another important thing for people thinking about joining the program is that you're like, you're not scary. This isn't for a grade. This is just for you <laughs> to become a better Like boss. you want us to succeed, I think is the biggest thing. And you're like, these are the tools and use them at your discretion, but like, here's the best practices. And like, we're all here also creating a really positive environment for each other because yeah. we're all, we're all trying to do something together, which is, you know, have a really fun product, a really amazing product that we want our customers to keep buying and for us to stay in business. So we're all in it together. Yeah. Yeah. I love the cohort model. You guys have all been very supportive with each other. And it's so fun to see the wins and the the progression and the support you guys give each other. So it's super fun. Um, and that was something uh, as you were going into Expo West, which I love, <laughs> I love parts of your business model have been an effort model where you're like, all right, because you applied like the day it closed. You're like, F it. I'm just doing this. We'll try it. What's the worst that can happen? They say no. And then you were accepted. You went through a full, you know, a big judging round to, to be accepted into that pitching competition. So that had to be, I know I just felt when you texted me, it was like, I'm in. And then you asked me to join you uh, as part of your team. And I just felt so honored. It was so fun to just be a part of this process with you. I mean, it's so, it's still so fresh. Um, it was only two weeks ago, really, that um, Expo West was live and we were pitching. And so that that is part of my strategy. Like, I think I can call it a strategy is like, what the hell? Like, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so I think that goes along with, um, you know, as a CEO, as someone who has a company that they want to grow, like the biggest thing that you're going to do, the most consistent thing you're going to do is you're going to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're going to be really, really thought out when you've got all months of preparation and planning before you make the decision. And sometimes it's just going to be like, what the hell? I'm just going to do it. And so applying for that was, was that moment. And, um, I was truly surprised when they called and, and said that I was in the, the top 10 finalists, which was amazing. I honestly, I was so surprised, but it also felt good for me as again, someone who just kind of is a perfectionist and not thinking they're ready for those things. Like maybe you weren't ready, but also who knows, like maybe this is yeah. the, this is the um, catalyst that can get you ready to, or to get you in the mind frame that's like, no, I belong here. I am ready. Um, so I'm trying to get actually more consistent at the, at the, what the hell thinking, because I'm like, wh what's the worst could, that could happen? And um, for something like that specifically, like there was no, um, you invested. It was like, yeah, I invested <laughs> some time. Awesome. I had to fill out some paperwork and look what happened. You know, it wasn't like I had to invest any money or anything like that. It was like, you know, this is great. This is huge for brand awareness and huge for me learning from other, other people who have been in the industry who are starting out just like me. And so um, I think that was a pivotal moment and also reframing how I thought of myself as a CEO or someone running a company and, and really stepping into that role of like, I'm taking this company places, but also, you know, I can't do that unless I'm the face and like, I'm putting myself out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to get out there unless you do it. <laughs> kind of did that with the kitchen. You did that with the fulfillment partner. And it's not that we don't do that without looking at, you know, we don't look at the numbers and the pros and cons and get the information we need. But then there is a little bit of that, just like, I'm just going to go for it because that's what I'm here to do. I got to push it a little bit and, and probably jump before I'm ready and then I'll get ready. Right. Like <laughs> you, you had, you got into it and now you're like, now I got to be ready. 
And fortunately, you had done a couple of smaller pitch competitions. You did Trout Tank, you did the Base Camp. So you were pretty ready. And then you're doing the financial work and everything that we're doing in Master Your Business. So that had to be a lot easier to pull all of that together once you were like, especially if you keep up on it, right? Like it becomes a lot easier. It was. It was so much easier once you have that data or... Um, even if it's been a couple of months or a couple of quarters, like you can, you know how to update it. It's really easy. And the more you do it, like it's, it is really fun. I really, really enjoyed the whole process. And I was 100% freaking out behind stage, like right before I went up on stage, but I had practiced it so much yeah. that, um, and got great feedback from, from you, from other mentors, from my husband. And when I got up there, I, I felt really comfortable. Yeah, you did amazing job. You were, you were calm and steady and confident. And it was just an an amazing moment as your coach and advisor and friend and (laughs) all the things. So it was really an honor to be there with you and celebrate afterwards. And just, you know, again, you, you won just because you got up on stage. That's really what it comes down to. So, and who knows where, you know, you met some awesome people. I introduced you some folks, you met people on your own. Like we can't, I just heard this great quote by Steve Jobs, actually, that was like, you can't connect the dots in the future. You can only connect the dots in the past. And by you putting yourself in the room and putting yourself out there, like who knows what dots will end up being part of your success. Right. But we don't know that till afterwards, right? (laughs) If I didn't have that experience and some of, some of them might maybe not manifest immediately. Yeah. You're, you are, like you say, you're creating the dots and they're there. So sometimes I'll connect and it might be that moment that you need it to connect. And so it, it was just the whole experience. I'm still trying to process. Like it happens. I was planning for like three or four weeks and then all of a sudden it happened and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, okay, we're here. And I'm, I have, I've made some really amazing connections already. And also just being and talking with the other entrepreneurs that were part of, um, part of the pitch competition. It it truly has been a great experience. Yeah, that's true. All the people in that group and all the things you've done. Yeah. I, I just can't emphasize enough for people listening, how important it is to um, get yourself out there to meet people. And we are a really great community in CPG. I find most people are very helpful. They want you to succeed. And so connect with people like myself who are awesome connectors, do things like pitch competitions or presentations, anything you can do to get in the room and to start meeting fellow brands and also people in the industry. Because I think we all want to help each other along. You can't do this on your own. You know, I mean, you can do a certain point, but you're going to hit a wall where you're like, this is as far as I can go. <laughs> I know some just people that will kind of lift you up. And even if it's not like business advice you need, you can just lean on someone and, and just feel like they validate how you're feeling. But then maybe that's all you need to move on to the next step, you know? So I have a completely different, I guess, feeling post post expo in that, um, I just, I do, I want to put myself out there even more, even more than I did before. And I'm ready for that stage of growth too. Like I I came to that realization that the only way I'm going to get better about speaking to, you know, how good love is changing lives or like really what separates good love from the competition um, is just building that community and that we just, we do have such a unique product, but it just gets you in that mind frame and you just get better at at just talking about your product. not necessarily from like a salesy standpoint, but really how can you speak to the different people in your industry about like, what are the benefits that you, you offer and like why your company is here? You know, um, I think that's, it, it kind of brings it back to um, what your why is your big why, which you've asked from the beginning. That's something that you say, even in like all of your modules, I believe is just like, bring it back to the why, why are you here? Yeah. Cause it's, freaking hard. This is not an easy <laughs> industry. You have like, let's, let's just be honest. Like, it's not like every moment is like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like <laughs> yeah. most of it is hard. Most of it is uncomfortable or doing the monotonous things or the things you don't want to and getting better at, you know, at things you just have never done this before. So it's all a learning curve and 
there's some hard moments. So you got to have a deep, strong why. I know you do. What are you kind of looking ahead? We talked about production, but what do you think is your next challenge? It's scaling and adding on to my business, not just in production. I think there's there's certain areas where I know just brand awareness is huge. And so I guess one of the things I did learn from um, from Expo really is just getting that brand awareness out there. And um, there's all different kinds you can do that in terms of marketing. But I think bringing on people to your team that are able to do that or thinking, you know, a little bit more creatively of how you can do that, whether that's affiliate programs or brand ambassadors. Um, but you want those people to really shout out from any platform that they use, like you have to try this product or you have to try, you know, just follow good love. Like here's why. Um, so production and brand awareness is huge. And then really, um, with the brand awareness comes, you know, I believe the, the organic sales when it comes to our direct to consumer, but building retail, I'm confident now going into, you know, Q2 of this year that um, I'll be adding on at least three or four other retailers. And I feel really, really good about that. And, and ready being able to start small has, has made me feel like I'm ready to, to, to dive into more retailers. So um, those are the next big things. And that's, that's a lot. And I think growing awareness doesn't happen overnight. So I think staying focused on a strategy yeah. for, for that is, is very important. Who do you think you will have to become to do that, to create a strategy, stick to it? Another, yeah, it's that role. It's like, who, who, what's the next version of myself or what, what's another, what is the, the other mask I'm putting on, not mask and that, you know, I'm, I'm faking it by any means, but like who, who's the, who's the next person that I'm going to develop this personality. And so I think that really is who, who that person was that pitched at expo, like the person on stage that can be like, this is why I'm here. This is why we're doing amazing things and like why we're going to be growing and continue to grow. So having whoever that person is, maybe I'll give that person a name. Yes. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be one of my personas. That next level CEO version of you. Yeah. So I would say whoever that person is, I'll, I'll give her a name eventually. Um, that's the persona that I'm, that the person I'm stepping into next and, and being able to hand off the production is, is huge, but um, yeah, developing, developing into that next role. And I would say, you know, not that you're not doing these things already, but making them deeper, you know, as a coach and who studies this stuff, it's about increasing your self-discipline and self-trust, making decisions quickly, which you are getting really good at. Can't tell you how many, I mean, I coach people who've been in business a long time and much bigger brands and they get stuck on a decision that holds them back Mm -hmm. for months and months. So um, being able to make decisions quickly, have your own back when you do that. And then be willing to outsource and to create the processes and systems, but also let it go a little bit and put the trust that that you don't have to be in there all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you you can rely on the systems and, and create a culture that will support that so that you can grow and be more in your CEO role. And that's also going to mean looking at the finances and and really looking at the money pieces and and creating strategies which then right. creates more, you know, you need more self-discipline to actually execute the strategy. So it's kind of a spiral up, right? Where you're going to keep evolving and layering on. But you have definitely stepped into that CEO role, that baby, we won't call it baby business, but you are you are a real business, but you are stepping into that early stage of, of being that CEO. So I'm so proud of you, Chanel. Spreading my wings. I'm feeling it. (laughs) You're doing it and you're doing it at the right pace and um, trying to make the best decisions you can. And, you know, they're not all going to be perfect, but you will look back on this and be just no matter what, right? (laughs) What happens? I know you'll look back on this experience and be really proud of yourself. Definitely. I do. Even the last three months, I'm already like, who is that person? I'm already like so different in, in, in a, you know, positive way. And so yeah. w- what is the summer going to bring? What's this whole year going to bring? I'm really excited. That's, I guess, how I can, all I can really express right now is that I'm just so excited for the future. 
Amazing. Well, I'm so excited for you and I will just keep cheering you on and anything <laughs> I can you. do to support you. So amazing. Well, thank you for catching us up and letting us be a part of your journey and we will all be cheering you on. If people want to check you out and maybe order some of your amazing gluten-free products, tell us if you have anything special for our listeners. Yeah, well, actually, we did just launch a a new, um, I guess, new customer program. So if you go to our website and you sign up for our emails, it gives you a discount for 10% off your very first order with us. And then we are implementing more discounts, especially for repeat orders and for our amazing customers that keep on coming back for more good love. So go to our website, sign up for an email, you'll get a discount code and we, we ship weekly and everything arrives within two days. So you can get your good love literally, you know, by Friday, if you order today. (laughs) Amazing. And where can people find you? So just go to goodlovefoods.com. You can also order through our social channels. It's all set up through Instagram or Facebook. And um, if you're local, you can happen, you can find us at Lucky's Markets in Boulder and Fort Collins. Coming very soon at this weekend will be Lever's Local Bore in Denver. And just keep on checking back for, for more retailers as we really start to branch out. Amazing. And yeah, if you're listening and you know of a great place she should be in, feel free to reach out to her as well. Yes. (laughs) I love it. All right, Chanel, it's been a pleasure and thank you. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything. I always appreciate it. Seriously, it just doesn't get better than that for me as a coach. Your success is my success. It's called food business success for a reason. And I think Chanel is just such a good example. If she can do it, you can do it. And I do want to invite you, I will be opening up Master Your Business again. We'll probably start mid-May is my guess, earlier mid-May. And so I do want to invite you to get on the wait list because if you are on the wait list, you will get a special bonus. I'll be doing something special just for you folks. So you can go to masteryourbiz.co to learn more about the program. And this is really about stepping into becoming the CEO that your business needs. Your business, in order for it to function, to make money, and to give you the freedom and fun that you probably started this business in mind with, it needs you to become the systems person, to know your money, to operate in a way that is creating stability and what we call a turnkey business, something that just works whether you're there or not. And so do take advantage of this opportunity. If this spoke to you and you're like, yeah, that's for me. I really need to do that for my business. If you find yourself kind of always in the center of the drama and the business doesn't operate unless you're in it and doing all the things. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're not even sure if you're making a profit, I promise you, I can help you. We will support you and you will become a different version of yourself. You will become the CEO your business needs. All right. Until next time, have an amazing week.